Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, on God Many times we find major conflict happens between the couple for very, very minor issues. For example, if the wife or the husband offers to spend some money, not major amount of money, few dollars, but this can actually cause a major problem. Or for example, if there is no food prepared in the house, it can make a major problem. And many times when they come to a Buna or to a counselor, we try the advice to give them, this, why are making big argument and big fight over very, very minor issues? So the advice just let it go, don't fight over these little issues. But in reality, usually the fight is not about this event that a spouse spent few dollars more or that the wife did not prepare food. There is underlying issues so these underlying issues that are the reason of the fight. And that's why we need to differentiate between event, the reason why they fought, and between the underlying issue. And when we find ourselves fighting over minor events, then definitely there is an underlying issue that is the reason of the fight. For example, events, disagreement can happen over money, over communication, over how to raise children, over the intimate relationship, over the in-laws, over recreational activities, even over service in the church, how to split the household chores. But most of these disagreements, there are underlying issues. And there are six underlying issues, and we should know them. And when we fight over an event, we need to see which one of these six issues is the reason of the fight. And sometimes there are more than one issue. These six issues are power and control, commitment, love and care, integrity, validation, and acceptance. For example, a, a husband who is angry because there is no food, the main issue here is love and care. He is not fighting over the food, 
but he's fighting because he feels that his wife doesn't care about him. Fighting over, over spending few dollars, the issue can be integrity. If we have an agreement, there is no integrity here. There is no keeping your promise toward me, and, and so on. That's why most of, of the couple have deeper issues and deeper needs. Most of the time, they don't want to talk about it. But it comes in fight. And when it comes in fight, they are fighting, as I said, about the event without addressing the real issue. Especially men, they feel if they speak about their needs and becomes vulnerable, this is against masculinity. That's why he makes a big fight without speaking about, for example, his need to be loved, his need to be cared for. And sometimes when there is an event and there is a fight, the time is not suitable to discuss these issues because both of them are angry, they are not at peace. So even if they want to discuss, if they are able to, are to diagnose what is the real issue, and they want to discuss it, this is not the right time for discussion. Because of the anger and the lack of peace. And many times these events happen in a time that's not suitable for productive discussion. That's why when an event like this happens, you need to calm yourself and you need to resist the tendency to address the issue and wait until the time is suitable and both of you are relaxed and in a peaceful mood to be able to discuss the issue. As the Bible teaches us in the book of Ecclesiastes, under heaven there is time for everything. Maybe when an event happens, you can speak that you are not comfortable with what happened, but another time you will talk about it. And maybe you can agree on the time in which both of you are relaxed to talk about it. I like to address these six needs or issues one by one. The first need is power and control. Sometimes these questions goes into our mind. Who has the final decision? Whether my desires and my needs and my opinions are important like the other or you feel inequality? Do I share in decision making or not? If the other person is a stubborn, controller, only his way, do I feel that I don't have any freedom in this relationship? Or I feel I want to be in control of everything in this family? If these questions actually goes in your mind, then 
there is an issue here in your marriage about power and control. Sometimes if you are married to a controller person and you feel that all the time you, you have to submit and you have to agree, he doesn't accept no from you. He doesn't accept any other opinion. He can discuss and discuss and argue and argue and argue and argue until you give up. Then there will be a lot of fights in events because of this issue. Actually, love of control reflects selfishness. As we read in James chapter 4, from verse 1 to 3, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? To be in control gives pleasure to the person, by the way. You lust and do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain, you fight and war, yet you do not have because you don't ask. You ask and you don't receive because you ask a mess that you may spend it on your pleasure. If you are a controller, you need to let go of control because control is a sign of selfishness. And there is big difference between a leader and a controller. Controller does not respect others' opinion. Controllers want his way to be done all the time. Controllers put others down. It's very, very challenging to live with a controller. So if you are a controller, learn how to be humble. How to put the interest and the opinion of the other before you. Let go of your selfishness. And most of the time, the desire to control comes from insecurity. So there is a big insecurity inside you. That's why you want to be in control. So you need to deal with your insecurity. What you are insecure about. Try to see the reason and address it. And if you are married to a controller, learn how to set healthy boundaries. Fighting is not the answer, but setting a healthy boundaries and being assertive, not aggressive. Big difference between being assertive and aggressive. This actually can help you. Many times the insecurity comes from our childhood experience or best experience. Or sometimes if one spouse grew up with a controlling parent, there is a tendency to interpret, to negatively interpret the other spouse as a controller. And sometimes we project it is me who is controller, but I project it on the other spouse. So, be honest with yourself and let the Holy Spirit examine your heart. Do you have memories or experiences, negative experiences from your childhood, from the past, that make you perceive the other as a controller? 
Do you project your control over the other spouse? If you are negatively interpreting the other person as a controller, eventually the trust will be gone between both of you. And as I said in the previous lecture, trust is one of the major foundations for a successful marriage. So you need to understand the other person. And both of you need to be kind to each other and to be gentle to each other until you build trust. Kindness sometimes is a very rare virtue in our society. How to be kind to the other spouse. But humbleness, love, kindness is the solution and will make both of them secure about the control and the power. If you fight about money or if you fight about decision-making, then most probably the issue here is the control and power. Usually people who fight about money or decision-making, the underlying issue is the control and the power. Who has the final word? The second issue, love and care. As I told you, couple can fight over minor things because they interpret it as lack of love and lack of care. If these questions go into your mind, then in your marriage, you have an issue about love and care. For example, if you think whether the other person really loves you or not, whether the other person cares about you and your needs or not, whether your emotional needs are satisfied or not. For example, if you get very disappointed if your spouse forget your birthday, for example, your, your anniversary, or didn't, didn't give you a gift, regardless how much the gift is. If these issues are important for you, then the real issue here is love and care. Because when the other person forgets your birthday or your anniversary or whatever, you, you interpret it in your mind that he doesn't love me. She doesn't care about me. If I'm important to her, she would remember my birthday. And sometimes we, although this upsets us, but we are not courageous enough to speak openly about it. And if we speak about it, we will not admit it as a need, but we will turn it into a fight. But if we are honest and courageous to address this issue as a need, I need to feel that you love me and you care about me. I need to satisfy this need, but in my language, not in your language. Speaking about this need in atmosphere of safety, I feel safe when I talk about it. This actually will solve many problems, especially if the other spouse validate your need. What do I mean by this? 
Sometimes when you say, why you forgot my birthday? I feel you don't love me. I feel you don't care about me. So the other thought may respond something. Why you are fighting over trivial things? Grow up. These types of responses, we call it invalidation. You don't validate the other person. And with this type of responses, you are building a barrier. So your spouse will never come to you again and speak about his needs. Because every time he feels safe to speak or she feels safe to speak about the need, you put him down and you build a barrier so he cannot or she cannot speak to you. So this brings me to the third point, which is validation. To validate others' needs. Again, I will share with you some questions. If these questions go into your mind, this means in your marriage you have issues with validation. You don't feel that the other spouse validate your needs or appreciate you. For example, if you ask yourself whether the other person appreciate your work, what you do in the house, all the activities that you do, what you do with your children, he appreciates you as a person and he values you as a person. For example, as I said in the previous lecture, if a husband is working and then when he goes to his house and say a comment to his wife, if she is staying home mother and tell her, what are you doing? You do nothing. I'm working every day from eight to five. I'm working hard. This actually is invalidation. And the mother here feels that her husband is not validating and valuing her role as a mother in raising the children. That's why to encourage one another and to show appreciation and to validate the needs of one another is very, very important. Ask yourself, when was the last time you said to your spouse that you appreciate all the work that he is doing or she is doing? How you value him as a person in your life? How you value his opinion? How you value his participation with you in decision-making, in raising the children, in, in any activity. This invalidation can be a reason for many, many fights in the family. And please, please, when your spouse comes to you addressing any need, even if you feel it is trivial, please take it serious. Don't put the other down. Don't belittle the need. When we were in medical school, one of the lessons that actually they taught us, if somebody comes to you and tells you that he is sick, take it serious. Don't say he has nothing. Take it serious. So any comments or any need, you need to validate it. If your husband 
comes to you and say, I am tired from work, don't just respond and say, all men working, why are you complaining? These kind of comments actually leave a very big wound in the heart of the other person. The fourth issue is commitment. Sometimes when the word divorce or separation or I will leave the house is repeated a lot, this issue can be challenged. And if you ask yourself whether your relationship with the other is stable or not, whether the other person can leave you at any moment or not, if this question comes to your mind, then there is no stability, there is no commitment. I remember one time a wife asked to have a separate account. So the husband made a big fight about it. So when I spoke to the husband why he made a big fight about it, I found out that this husband actually is a son of a divorced parents. So I found out that his mom, the first step in the divorce started by having a separate account. Then actually this created insecurity. So when his wife asked to have a separate account, he started to feel there is now a lack of commitment in this marriage. My spouse is planning to divorce me as his mom divorced his father. And one of the things actually that create lack of commitment and instability, and I, I know some of you will disagree with me, but I'm going to say it anyway, the prenuptial agreement. The prenuptial agreement is an agreement that discusses when we divorce, how we're going to split our assets. So actually before they get married, they discuss how to split their assets in case of divorce. So the possibility of divorce is there even before they get married. That's why the prenuptial agreement or postnuptial agreement that discuss divorce is against commitment in marriage. One of the blessings of Christianity that there is no divorce in Christianity. Some people look at this as a burden or limitation to my freedom. But if you look at it from the other perspective, it is protection for the stability and the commitment in your marriage. So when God says there is no divorce, it's not to torture us, it's not to restrain our freedom. Actually, it is to bless our commitment to each other and the stability of this marriage. Any marriage that is based on the possibility of divorce, if we fight with each other, we divorce each other, it's not a stable marriage. In Malachi chapter 2, God described the marriage as a covenant and not as a contract the covenant because you can break a contract but you cannot break a covenant 
in Malachi chapter 2, when God spoke about divorce and said, I hate divorce. Let me start from verse 13. And this is the second thing you do. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping and crying. So he does not regard the offering anymore, nor receive it with goodwill from your hands. So he's saying you go and cover the altar of the Lord with your tears and you offer sacrifices, but God doesn't regard your offering or your prayer or your tears. Why? Yet you say, for what reason? And the answer, because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth, with whom you have dealt treacherously, yet she is your companion and your wife by covenant. So there is a covenant here. You cannot just go and divorce your wife because you have a fight. But did he not make them one, having a remnant of the Spirit? And why one? Why God made them one? And this unity is permanent, cannot be dissolved, because he seeks godly offspring. Therefore, take heed to your spirit, and let none deal treacherously with the wife of his youth. For the Lord the God of Israel says that he hates divorce. He hates divorce. Why? For it, 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 the divorce, covers one's garment with violence. Because you put away your spouse with whom you made a covenant. It's the violence, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore take heed to your spirit that you don't deal treacherously. Unfortunately, many of the children of divorced parents have this fear when they get married, lest their spouses walk away and divorce them. They have this insecurity. Commitment and stability is one of the very important foundation for a successful marriage. And that's why many fights over events can be because the other person is insecure about the commitment of his or her spouse for the marriage. The fifth issue is integrity. Are you questioning the integrity of the other, his intentions, whether he is genuine on what he or she is saying or not? Do you question the motives of the other? Do you feel that the other person all the time negatively interprets you and your behavior? Do you feel that the other person has doubts about you and your behavior? We need to have integrity. And what we say should reflect what is in our heart. Some people, especially those who are married to controllers, so they lie and hide things from the controller person to avoid problems. So in his mind, I'm not going to tell him, I'm not going to tell her this. And they lie about it. Then, 
when the other person discover the lie, it will turn into a very, very huge fight. Lying is not the answer. Lying is not the solution. We need to have integrity. What's in your heart, you should say it. Don't have double tongue and double mind. Also, don't doubt the intentions or the motives of the other. Because if you are always doubting the integrity of the other and doubting what he is saying, you put him or you put her in no win situation. For example, if he tells you, I love you, you interpret this, that he needs something. He's not genuine, but he is saying this because he needs something. And if he doesn't say it, then he is not a loving and a caring person. So you put the other person in no win situation, because always, always, you doubt and you cast doubt on his intention and motives. So, please stop interpreting negatively the intentions and the motives of the other if you want to, to have a successful marriage. And nowadays it's very common because now everybody is expert in psychology and counseling. So nowadays, very common and some spouses come to me and they Anna, my husband is narcissistic personality. Anna, my wife is borderline. <laughs> and he reads some articles on the internet and started dealing with his spouse or her spouse as bipolar, narcissistic, borderline. And he believes or she believes 100% that their diagnosis is accurate. And once you deal with your spouse as narcissistic or borderline, then actually you are setting your marriage for failure. Please don't diagnose each other. <laughs> I am serious. I hear it a lot in, in, in family comment. Please don't diagnose each other. Even when they are diagnosed by a psychiatrist, there is a way to deal with your husband or your wife if she has a personality disorder. Many articles are written if your spouse is borderline or bipolar or how we deal with them. What if your son or your daughter has personality disorder? Are you gonna put them away or are you gonna deal with them? But again, the most important point here is stop diagnosing each other. Because now you're going to interpret everything through the filter of your diagnosis. And in this way, you are doubting their integrity. No one can examine our intentions or our motives except God. God is the only one who searched our hearts and our reins. And He knows our motives and our intentions. So, please live with each other with integrity. Integrity is an important element in successful marriage.
The last point is acceptance. Acceptance actually is the most important one in these six issues. And acceptance actually is connected to the previous five issues. For example, if I don't feel I am loved, then this means also I'm not accepted. If there is no commitment in marriage, then the other person is not accepting me. If there is no integrity, then the other person is not accepting me, etc. And one of the major issues in marriage is the fear of rejection. If I feel I am rejected by the others. And here I want to address a very sensitive issue and just I want you to talk with me speaking about this issue. From counseling many families, the intimate relationship is one of the most important needs for men. And when a wife resist intimacy or is interested or only passively interested she's not involved with her, emo her emotion the husband feels rejected and this actually will cut at his self-image and it will create isolation and many fights because of this in a Christian marriage in which we put the needs of the other before my own need. This need for intimate relationship, for intimacy, should be very important and I should give it a priority. Even over the housework, over projects, over activities. This doesn't mean we will think about the intimate relationship day and night. I'm not saying this. But wives should understand that this is a very important need for husbands. And resisting or rejecting this, most of the time interpreted with as rejection. So a wise Christian wife should say, I will save some of my energy for my husband. But rejecting this and putting her needs over his need, this is a form of selfishness and living only for my own needs and my own wants. And this actually can be a major issue in, in marriage. Many times couples avoid talking about sensitive issue because of the fear of rejection and this creates like a barrier a concrete barrier between the couple in Romans chapter 15 and verse 7 the Bible teaches us to accept one another as God has accepted us if this commandment of acceptance is given to everyone much more to couples when I feel accepted by my spouse 
this will give security, stability. I will be open to discuss our disagreement in an atmosphere of love and honesty. As God has accepted us, we need to accept one another. And in this way, we will glorify God in our life. As St. Paul said in Romans 15 and verse 7, Therefore receive one another, just as Christ also received us, to the glory of God. What does it mean to the glory of God? When you accept your husband, when you accept your wife, you are glorifying God. Many times I want to change my spouse to the image in my mind. And many fights happen because of this. Change will never happen because you are pushing the other person to change. But change will happen in atmosphere of love and acceptance. When the house had the atmosphere of love and acceptance, I'm not judgmental of the other person. In this atmosphere, growth to the best and changing to the image of Christ will happen. Also, if you are not perfect, why you want your spouse to be perfect? Every time you reject your spouse, think about your imperfection. And as you want others to accept you while you are imperfect, you need to accept your spouse. And believe me, in, in homes where there is love, acceptance, no judgmental attitude, humbleness, kindness, this atmosphere makes the person grow into the image and likeness of Christ. Your spouse will not be changed when you fight with him or her every day. I like to give you quickly some signs to know whether your marriage is challenged by one of these six points. If you are speaking about the issue over and over and over, about certain issue for a long time, for example, speak about finances for a long time, speak about communication for a long time, speaking about how to deal with the in-laws for the long time, then your marriage is suffering of one of these six issues. Another sign, if the fight does not go in proportion with the event. For example, something very little happened, but a big fight. And this small event resulted in a big fight. Avoidance also is another issue. If you are running away from any conversation, then there is an issue here, maybe the acceptance. When you keep record, for example, every time you say, in the first year of marriage this happened, second year of marriage this happened, third year, and you re every, every fight you repeat all this list, then actually your marriage maybe is challenged by invalidation, commitment, control, 
So please try to see if you have one of these signs and try to understand or find out which issue from these issues or maybe maybe more than one and try to discuss it with your spouse in a spirit of love, understanding and kindness. At the end, no spouse can satisfy these six needs to his or her spouse. That's why you need to get your satisfaction from your relationship with Christ. In Christ, actually, he will satisfy all these six needs. He loved us. He loved us unconditionally. He loved us and he sacrificed his life for us. He loved us limitless love. So the need for love and care is there. And since he loved us, as St. John said, this love cast out fear. Which fear? The fear of rejection. We come to God regardless what are our sins. And we know that he accepting us. And we know that he will forgive us. And we know that he will embrace us. So we feel accepted by God. God is a powerful God, but he never used this power against us or to control us or to abuse us. He used this power to serve us. He used this power to empower us. Do not depart from Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. Also, he is validating us and valuing us. How he validate us? Actually, he told us, if you give a cup of cold water to somebody, he will actually give us reward for something as little as this. So, he appreciates everything we do. Sometimes in ministry, because we are imperfect, we hinder the ministry. And if God does the ministry without us, it will be more perfect. But he let us participate in the ministry. In spite of the fact that sometimes we are a stumbling block in the ministry. But he still to show appreciation and validation and how he values us, he let us participate in ministry with him. If you speak about commitment, he told us, I will never leave you or forsake you. Before his ascension, he told us, Behold, I am with you all the days and unto the end of the ages. If we speak about integrity, although God knows our intentions and our hearts, but his love toward us and his acceptance never changed. And in his relationship with us, as St. Paul said, even if we are dishonest, but God will remain honest with us. He will remain faithful to us. So these six needs can be only satisfied through my relationship with God. And if I have these needs satisfied through my relationship with God, then I will do my best to satisfy this needs to my spouse. May the Lord help us to 
discover what are the underlying issues that can create division, can create conflict in our families and to address them in a spirit of love, in a spirit of kindness, in a spirit of humbleness for the glory of His holy name. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.